So as we go into this text, we're looking at Judges chapter 6 and 7. We'll try and get through it all in 30 minutes here. Um, It's uh, an awesome portion of scripture. Let's go ahead and pray one last time. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that your word, Lord, has withstood the test of time. Lord, many men and women have died. Lord, they've given their lives. They've laid down their lives, Lord, literally, Lord, that we could have the word before us this evening. And Lord, we thank you that your word is living and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, and that it's able to uh, pierce deep within our hearts. And Lord, it has application to our lives uh, today, even though it was written thousands of years ago. So Lord, we ask that you'd help us, Lord, to see what you would want to speak to us in this text this evening. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Judges chapter 6, verse 1. Then the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord gave them into the hands of Midian seven years. The power of Midian prevailed against Israel because of Midian, the sons of Israel, made for themselves the dens which were in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites would come up with the Amalekites and the sons of the east and go against them. So they would camp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel as well as no sheep, oxen, or donkey. So Israel is caught in what we would call a sin cycle. The sin cycle is this, rebellion, retribution, repentance, and then restoration. And we see this sin cycle seven times in the book of Judges where Israel rebels against the Lord. Then God brings retribution, discipline, chastisement. Then they repent, they cry out to the Lord, and then God restores them. And um, the children of Israel, it says in verse 1, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord gave them into the hand of their enemies. Um, This is a, a time of chastisement for the children of Israel. Um, We read in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, that chastisement, just as a father, a loving father, chastises the ones that he loves um, and scourges every son whom he receives. So chastisement isn't necessarily God's um, hating them, but it's his love. And a lot of times he'll allow Israel's sin to... um, to, to, um, bring them to that place of repentance, um, the consequences for their sin. Um, in Zechariah chapter 2, verse 8, it says he loves Israel, that they're the apple of his eye. You know, I think of my relationship with my children. I love them. They're the apple of my eye. But yet there are times when I have to, have to discipline them. There's times when I have to allow their own um, failures to, um, to bring discipline and, and correction in their life. Um, you know, and uh, so anyways, going on in verse um, four, it says that they would camp against them and destroy their produce. The, these Midianites and the, Mal- uh, I'm sorry, and the Canaanites, they would come against the children of Israel. And basically they were just um, ripping off their, their produce, every, everything that they were growing, everything that they were working hard for. These, these, pirates, they came in and they were pillaging their land. And the land that God had told them to take over when when they had crossed the Jordan. And God told them to destroy all their enemies and to take over this land. But they didn't they didn't listen to the Lord completely. 
they can um they compromised they didn't do exactly what the lord had said and they didn't take care of business right away so what happens years later these enemies that they were supposed to get rid of they came back and and they they came back and bit them in the heels and uh so here they are they're they're um they're oppressing the children of israel in, in, in verse 6, it says, So Israel is brought very low because of Midian and the sons of Israel. In verse 7, Now it came about when the sons of Israel cried to the Lord on account of Midian, that the Lord sent a prophet. Verse 8. Um, we read in John chapter 10, verse 10, that the enemy comes to, the thief comes to steal, rob, and, and kill. But Jesus said, I've come to ha- that you might have life more abundantly. There's a parallel to our own lives as Christians with the children of Israel in this time. And we'll get into that a little bit more. But um, God wants us to live in victory. Um, he doesn't want us to be in survival mode. He doesn't want us to be, um, you know, just kind of making it through. But he wants us to be on the offensive uh, in our Christian life. Um, sometimes it feels like all the odds are stacked against us. That um, um, you know, th- there may be a time in where you're in life where you just feel like everything's against me, um, you know. And it could be at work, it could be at home, it could be um, anywhere, you know, um, in your life where you just feel, you know, what I'm just I got everything. Everything just seems like it's it's all the odds are against me right now. And this is kind of where we're going into with uh, with Gideon we're going to see that all the odds are stacked against him that um um but God is for him um i love the analogy and i'll, I'll share this of a of a, a a high schooler getting ready to go he's getting ready to go in college he has a few teams looking at him and uh you know they're trying to draft him and um <clears throat> That that uh, just a couple weeks ago, I was watching uh, um, a documentary on Bill. Mac- I think it's Bill McCartney. Um, he was uh, uh, coach of the Buffaloes, um, Denver Buffaloes. And uh, when he took over the team, it was just they were just terrible. They weren't doing good. And he realized, you know what? We got all the odds stacked against us. We need to get some. We need to draft some good players on our team. And so what he did, he started going, he realized that if I go and I can convince the mothers um, that they're in safe hand, their kids are going to be in safe hands with me, that, you know, um, that I'm going to point them to the Lord. Uh, he realized that if I can, I can win the mother, then I can win the, the, um, the football player. But these football players, looking at the, the, um, that team, why would they want to go play for a losing team, Right? Um, but Bill talks about in this documentary how he would, he would take the kids one-on-one. He'd say, you know what? We're going to win. We're going to go all the way. We're going to win. And he convinced them that we're going to win it. We're going to go all the way. And so, you know, God, his, his team is the winning team, you know, and the, us as his church, we're on a winning team. And it may seem that all the odds are stacked against us, but if we can see into the future, if we could see and read God's word, we know from reading God's word that we're on a winning team. And the same place that this battle is going to happen is the same place that in the book of Revelation, 
that um, the battle of Armageddon happens. And they call it a battle, but it's, it's a slaughter. Jesus Christ comes back and wipes out his enemies. And um, so we'll get into that a little bit later. <clears throat> so verse 7 says they cried to the Lord. Um, you know, we have so many people in our prisons and, um, you know, I can even think of my own kids <laughs> and myself too. Um, you know, I got caught and so we're weeping. Oh, you know, I can think of so many times in my life where I got caught doing the wrong thing. And I was, I was busted. And, I, and, and, you know, maybe I'm speeding down the road and, my, and I see that police officer and I'm like, oh, Lord, please don't let me get a ticket. You know, is that the right heart? You know, we want justice, you know, when it applies to everybody else. But we want mercy when it applies to us. So... Um, but God hears the cries of the humble. Psalm 34, verse 17. Psalm 107 talks about, if, if you read the Psalms, one of the longest Psalms in the Bible next to Psalm 119. But it talks, it, it takes Israel's history about how they would um, go through that cycle. They would cry to the Lord. The Lord delivered them. And then they worshiped. And they gave thanks to the Lord for his deliverance and his goodness and his mercy and his kindness towards the sons of men. Psalm 107 is one of my favorite psalms. If you have time, read it. It's a beautiful psalm um, about God's mercy and his deliverance. So verse 9, oh, I'm sorry, verse 8, and the Lord sent a prophet to the sons of Israel. And he said to them, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, it was I who brought you up out out, out from Egypt and brought you out from the house of slavery. I delivered you from the hands of the Egyptians, verse 9, and from the hands of all your oppressors and dispossessed them before you and gave you their land. Verse 10, And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not obeyed me. Wow. So this is the fourth time in the book of Judges where God sends a deliverer, a judge, a savior, that's what the, 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 the book is titled. And so God's raising up Gideon, right? The last person that we studied about was Deborah um, that God had raised up uh, to deliver them. And so they're, once again, they're going into to bondage and God's raising up Gideon. But before he sends Gideon to him, he sends them a prophet. Interesting. He doesn't send them a deliverer right away. He sends them a prophet. A prophet is someone who speaks on behalf of God. They speak forth the word of God on behalf of God. And this prophet rehearses for them their history. You know, there's something about us that we tend to forget. And God, if you read through his word over and over and over and over again, he he's, um, stirs up his people to remember. Remember your history. It's so important that he, he, he sets up these feasts and and all these things throughout the word so that they can remember all that the Lord has done. And that's what this prophet's doing. He's reminding them, don't you remember all that God has, he's he's reminding uh, um, them, this is all that the Lord has done, how he's delivered you, yet you have not obeyed me. And then verse 11 says, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak that was in Ophrah. 
which belonged to Joash the Abazurite, as his son Gideon was beating on wheat in the wine press in order to save it from the Midianites. Now, in essence, what he's doing, that uh, he's, um, uh, and I, I saw this, they did this in Africa, and they do this in other countries and stuff, but they'll take uh, uh, the wheat and they'll, they'll pour it down, and then the chaff, the bad stuff blows away in the wind, and then the wheat falls down. What he's doing it in the, the area below in the bottom of the, the, the valley where the wine press is, normally you would do it where it's real windy on top of the hill, but he's afraid that the Midianites will see him uh, uh, threshing the wheat, or I mean, um, sifting the wheat, and then they'll come and they'll, they'll take it from him. So he's afraid. So this, this mighty man here is fearful of his enemies. He's, he's, he's there at the, at, the, at the wine press, and he's hiding, really. Uh, verse 12 says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. And this is, this is you, you can look at it and you can kind of laugh and go, he's calling him a valiant warrior, but here he is, he's hiding. He's fearful of his enemy. Um, and it says that in verse 13, then Gideon said to him, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about? saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. So he's bringing up, he's, he's, he's acting like an unbeliever. He's saying, you know, why is, basically in essence, he's saying, why is there all this pain and suffering in the world? If God is so loving, if God is so powerful, you know, why doesn't he deliver us? And um, that's a question that a lot of, sorry, a lot of unbelievers bring up and a lot of uh, young Christians and, and kind of not so mature. It's kind of just a, a question that, you know, it just casts doubt on the, on who God is. You know, if God is loving and God is powerful, well, God is loving and God is powerful. And he gives us a freedom to choose. We have a freedom to choose him. And um, one day he will take care of sin. Um, and if he, if he didn't give us that freedom to choose, then he wouldn't be loving, you know. And God gives us that that freedom to choose. But Gideon's being kind of immature here, he's like oh, you know, he's, he's he's whining. And then in verse fourteen, the Lord looked at him and said, "Go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you?" The Lord tells him, "Go." So we're gonna we're gonna count how many times the Lord is gonna say, "Hey." I'm, I'm, I, this is a done deal. Do it. And, and I can count five times in this text where God tells him that I will do this, go. But he's continually going to want God's confirmation. He, he's, he's not trusting the Lord. He's doubting God. Doesn't that sound like someone you might know? I know it sounds like me. I, I can relate to this. I can relate to doubting God. You know, being fearful you know, all the odds are stacked against me. God, are you really? And then just having that doubt, you know. Um, and I just love the mercy of God and the patience of God as we're going to see how he just is so patient with Gideon. And, uh, and he continues to give him uh, his word, confirming his word to Gideon's heart. Verse 16 says, But the Lord said to him, 
Mark that. But the Lord said to him, underline that, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat Midian as one man. This is God's word to, to Gideon. He's saying, I'm going to be with you and you will de- defeat your enemies. And Gideon said to him, verse 17, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that is that it is you who speak with me. <laughs> it, uh, uh, verse 18, please do not depart from here until I come back to you and bring out my offering and lay it before you. And he said, I will remain until you return. Verse 19, then Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour. He put the meat in a basket in the broth in a pot and brought them out in him to him under the oak and represented it, presented it to him. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on the rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. He's probably thinking, you know, I just spent all this time preparing this meal and you're telling me to put it on the rock. This is kind of weird, um, you know, but this is what, this is what he's asking me to do. So he's being hospitable and he does it. And then says the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread and fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. Then the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. So then he's realizing, man, this is, this is, this is the Lord, you know, and, and, uh, this whole, the, they, um, the theologians would call it a theophany or Christophany is an appearing of, of, of Christ in the Old Testament. And we believe that because in all the instances where it talks about the angel of the Lord with Abraham, Moses, um, um, Joshua, and here with Gideon, they were all, in every instance, they call him Lord, they bow down and they worship him. And we know that God doesn't allow the worship of angels. God doesn't want us to worship his, his messenger but he wants he only he is the only one that will receive worship, and so that's why we believe that's a, a Christophany, an appearing of Christ in the Old Testament, where God actually comes in the form of of a man, and um, appears. Um, Luke eleven twenty nine, and I want to bring this up because Gideon's seeking a sign from the Lord. Um, and, and, you know, Jesus said to the, the crowds in Luke eleven twenty nine, 29, um, he said, the, the, this generation is a wicked generation. It seeks for a sign and yet no sign will be given to it, but the sign of Jonah. Um, he also says that in Luke, uh, 24, uh, 25, he said, um, speaking to, um, his uh, disciples, he said, and he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for Christ to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Um, Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them all the things concerning himself in the scriptures. See, God is pleased when we, when we take him at his word, you know, when we believe and we trust in, in, in his word. And he understands though, our human frailty and our, our doubt. After the disciples were on the road to Emmaus, that scripture that we just read, they're on the road to Emmaus and they're walking and Jesus appears to them. And 
he he tell, he call, he rebukes them. He calls them foolish, slow of heart to believe all that was spoken by the prophets. And uh, but once again, you know, as only the Lord can do. Afterwards, it says that their hearts were burning within them because it was the Lord, and they realized that they were with the Lord. And then Thomas in John twenty verse twenty nine, it says. Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who do not see and yet believe. Um, so verse 22, Gideon saw that it was the angel of the Lord. He said, alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Oh, what an amazing thing. Blessed are those who have not seen. Verse 23, the Lord said to him, peace to you. Do not fear, you shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and named it, The Lord is Peace. To this day, it is still in Oprah of the Abizrites. Now on the same night, verse 25, the Lord said to him, Take your father's bull and second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal, which belongs to your father, and cut down the Asherah that is besides it. Now, we don't have time to go into all the, the wickednesses associated with Baal and, and, and Asherah, but those gods that they worshipped were absolutely evil abominations to the Lord. And it, it involved human sacrifice and all sorts of wicked stuff. And the, the, um, Gideon's telling him, tell, or the Lord's telling Gideon, I want you to take care of things in your own home. I've got a battle for you to fight, but first I want, I want, I want you to take care of things on the home front and how the Lord will tell us and speak to us. You know, like Mike, Pastor Mike was talking about on Sunday, let's draw a circle around ourselves. Let's pray for revival here, our families, our homes. Then, um, then God has other battles uh, for us to fight. And so he's telling Gideon, I want you to go and I want you to tear down these altars that your father has resurrected. Take care of matters in your own home. And then I'm going to continue to lead you. So what does Gideon do? He's afraid. He does it at nighttime. Um, and uh, it says, verse 27, Then Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had spoken to him. And because he was too afraid of his father's household and the men of the city to do it by day, he did it by night. Verse 28, When the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was torn down, and the Asherah which was beside it was cut down. And the second bull was offered on the altar which has been built. Verse 29, they said to one another, Who did this thing? And when they searched about and inquired, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, did this thing. Then verse 30, Then the men of the city said to Joash, Bring out your son, that he may die. For he has torn down the altar of Baal, and indeed he has cut down the Asherah, which was... which was, sorry. Anyways, I cut, I cut half of the scripture off there. Beside it, okay. So, um, thank you. So, a couple things I want to point out from this is, one is these guys woke up early in the morning and they realized, hey, our idol's been torn down. I, you know, this is early in the morning. They're, they're so devoted to this false god that they're rising up early in the morning to worship him. And then they realize, hey, you know, someone's, someone's been messing with us. And so they're like, who is this guy? 
Let's get him. We're going to kill him. And Joash, uh, Gideon's father, who must have been convicted by the Lord, instead of say, joining in with the, 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 the choir and saying, yeah, let's get him, let's kill him. He said, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, if, if, um, if he did this, Baal can, Baal can take care of himself, you know. Um, so he's, he's kind of protecting his son a little bit. And he's, he's, I'm sure he's under conviction uh, from the Lord. And then um, um, verse 26 Oh, I'm sorry, verse um, 31, yep. But Joash said to all who stood against him, Will you contend for Baal, or will you deliver him? Whoever will plead for him shall be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him contend for himself, because someone has torn down the altar. So there there we have Joash, his father, saying, Let, let Baal... Um, contend for himself and um, therefore verse 32 on that day he named him Jeroboam Jeroboam that is to say that let Baal contend against him because he had torn down his altar verse 33 then all the Midianites and the Malachites and the sons of the east assembled themselves and they crossed over and camped in the valley of Jezreel they're, 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 they're gathering and this valley of Jezreel is uh um, uh, um, a place where um, I believe that's the place where uh, Armageddon happens. I, I might be mistaken there. Verse 34, So the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, and the Abijah's rites were called together to follow him. Verse 35, And he sent messengers throughout Manasseh, and they also were called together to follow him. And he sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, and they came up to meet him. Then Gideon said to God, If you will deliver Israel through me, here he goes again, as you have said, behold, I will put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only, and it is dry on all the ground, then I will know that you will deliver Israel through me as you as you have spoken. Underline that, as you have spoken. So Israel, I mean, Gideon, is again seeking a sign from the Lord. And, you know, this is where we get, as believers, you'll often hear, you know, I'm putting a fleece before God. This is the kind of the text where that's originated from. And, but one thing I want you to realize is Gideon's seeking, he's seeking confirmation of something that he already knows that God has spoken to him. So he already knows that the Lord has spoken, but he's, he just has a doubt in his heart. And he's got, God, will you just confirm it one more time, please? And um, he's seeking a supernatural sign. He's not seeking a natural sign. He's not saying, you know, if, if uh, the phone rings at 1 o'clock, then, then I'll know, God, that I'm supposed to do this. No, it's a supernatural sign that he's seeking from the Lord to confirm as well. And uh, um, so he puts the fleece out the first time. And uh, it says that it was dry on all the ground. Um, verse 38, And it was so when he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece, he drained the dew from the fleece, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, Do not, do not let your anger burn against me, that I may speak once more. So he already knows he's pushing the envelope, but he's like, Okay, I got one more fleece, Lord. I, let's, let's reverse it. And if you can do it the other way around, then I'll know. 
So uh, Gideon says, uh, uh, you know, don't let your anger be uh, kindled against me. Let it now be dry only on the fleece and let there be dew on all the ground. Verse 40, God did so that night for it was dry only on the fleece and dew was on all the ground. So what a merciful and patient God uh, that he, he just he just puts up with Gideon. And, you know, one thing that about the Lord that I just love is that God doesn't see um, you in your present state. If you study the, the, the book of Ephesians, it says that God already sees you and it, already glorified. He sees you the finished product. And he doesn't see you, you and I as we are. He sees who we will be in him. If we put our faith in him, our potential is is great because we're on his team. We're on the winning team. Amen?